Grinning Cyberspace, and welcome to episode 125, aka the last episode of 2019 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, uh, Merry Christmas. It is Christmas morning, 2019, when this launches. How are you, what's your gift situation like? It's the last episode of the decade, by the way. It is. It is. A decade of podcasting. <laughs> uh, Google is sending me a present, Brian. Google is sending you a present for Christmas. Yeah. What is it? Um, I logged into YouTube the other day and said, hey, YouTube Premium member, have a free Google Home Nest on us. They're just giving you them. Yeah. So that's my fourth one, I guess. It's the mini. <laughs> uh, but it's the new Nest one. So apparently the sound's a bit better and stuff. Okay. So I'll put it in the kitchen where we use it most. And then we'll have four of them in the house listening to us. Angelo, for Christmas, I'm going to give you the gift uh, that I think you need the most this year. Privacy? No, I'm going to give you the gift of dignity, my friend. I'm going to give you that back because uh, I feel like you need a little bit of that as we veered away from Tech and the Paranormal to talk about magic and illusions on a regular basis. And so one last time, the floor is yours in 2019. You would like to talk about magic. Well, I went to a really good magic show, finally, in person. I, I don't think I've ever seen magic in person, if I can remember correctly. What about the magic of childbirth? Oh, maybe. I've seen that a couple of times. Would that I be a went... great gender reveal party, by the way? Just come to the birth. Yeah, great. I don't think they allow that many people in a hospital room. I guess you can have it in your pool. Yeah, yeah. if it's a home birth or a natural yeah. birth, then uh, invite all the people you want. Get the Cheetos flowing and um, serve some Mountain Dew and uh, find out uh, you know, what the baby looks like. Anyways, all that to say, Angela, you actually went out of your comfort zone uh, by going into the public. Yeah, I went to a uh, an arena, an arena show, of Champions of Magic. Uh, they're doing a tour of North America right now. It's actually a British production. And uh, really good, really great. I've seen a few of the acts on TV. I listened to a couple of them on podcasts as well. So so how did they uh, come up with the name Champions? Because are they crowned champions? Like, did they win tournaments? I think it's like tongue-in-cheek. Oh, so they're not champions, they're losers. That's not nice. They're great, actually. They're really funny, too. So it was a really good show, really uh, well done. Uh, and they were nice people because we got to meet them at the end. So do me a favor, link this back to either Tech or the Paranormal. Uh, there was some really good tech used. <laughs> None of it was paranormal. <sighs> What's that old adage about giving you enough rope to hang yourself? I feel like I've just done that to you. I bought the tickets online. I used my phone to show the tickets. Is that a new thing? Sure. New-ish. Yeah. yeah. So I did that. I paid for parking so I wouldn't have to worry about parking. That was great. It's funny because when I got there, I was going to the parking that my ticket showed. And the guy's like, you're not allowed in here. I'm like, well, my ticket says I'm allowed. He's like, oh, sure. Sorry, sir. Come on in. <laughs> I guess it was like the private parking for people that had paid ahead of time. Right. For the one time you head out a year. Yeah, exactly. So 2020, uh, sometime in 2020, we will go to an event together. Yes. Yeah. We'll go to an outdoor festival, a fire festival too. <laughs> I uh, very much uh, look forward to that. Angela, I'd like to read some viewer mail from you. For, for you, oh. if that's okay. Really? Yeah, okay, from, great. From a man named Tony Capo or a, a, a lady. It's T-O-N-I, so it can go either way. Listener feedback. Passive income, my success story in one month, the $10,000 per month guide to passive income. Oh, does she want to be on the show to talk about this? I don't know, but uh, that sure ended up in my inbox. So there you go, Angelo. Great. Well, uh, invite her on. <laughs> I definitely will, uh, you know, let the spam know what we're up to. I still keep getting those um, messages from Microsoft with weird activity on my account because some guy in Australia signed up with my email address uh, to his Microsoft account, but used, you know how Gmail, if you put a dot in the middle, it doesn't matter. 
Yes, well, I know this. <laughs> I know this one all too well. Yeah, and uh, it keeps telling me there's weird activity in my accounts from Australia. To the and British Brian Hasty and the Australian Brian Hasty, I know what you're up to. Uh, one of you visited a bordello and got a coupon, so FYI. I, I also was invited to the Fiorentino family Christmas, uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't live in New Jersey. Lots of misidentification with emails, and there's not much you can do. We've talked about this before. Really, uh, you can't even reply to the person and say, hey, this is not the right thing, especially if it's like that Microsoft account thing. It literally says, do not reply. Yeah, and also you'd be replying to yourself. Yeah, so I didn't reply. Okay, Angelo, I want you to do me a favor. Since you're in this magical state of mind, you've ha- like, hey, you've been out in public. It is Christmas morning. It is magical. I want you to close your eyes, my friend, and we're going to go back mm-hmm. about 20 years. Are you ready for this? Okay. Can't wait. It is December 25th, 1999, my friend. And you know what's in everyone's mind? Y2K. The Y2K bug. That is right. Very exciting. Do you remember it? Did you party like it was 1999? I actually did. We rented a, uh, the neighborhood rented a, the basement of the, the church in the area. And then we actually stayed out until, oh gosh, it was like 3 or 4 a.m. So yes. And nothing went wrong. Nothing went wrong, my friend. That is because, of course, crisis was averted. They found enough, uh, what is it, like COBOL engineers to fix everything? It was going to be a big problem, right? Yes. Just that people uh, kind of were roped into the idea that it was going to be catastrophic. I mean, there were even those uh, doomsday things. They thought this was something that Nostradamus predicted, our old buddy Nostradamus. And uh, he saw this in his quatrains. Just like how he saw 9-11. Yeah, exactly. He sees everything. Um, so I linked you to a Fast Company article about the weird and wonderful world of Y2K survival guides, which are largely uh, now just works of speculative fiction. Um, I did notice now because I watched a bit of that Leonard Nimoy thing that's in this article, YouTube is recommending me some really weird stuff just by watching that one video. How's your shelter doing? Pretty good. Uh, it's, in, it's in the mail. I'm glad to hear that. Did you see halfway through the article, and we'll link to this in the show notes, there is a 30-second commercial for the Y2K disaster movie on NBC. I wish NBC and all the other networks, we continue to do these like of-the-moment disaster films like they used to. No, I actually missed that. I oh, was yeah, too yeah, enthralled great. by the uh, Leonard Nimoy thing just above it. It's the night on everyone's mind. This could affect half the continental United States. The night they warned us about. Now we're starting to see some problems. What if they're right? My God. Getting turned evacuation. The survival of millions hangs in the balance. We lost this puppy. Go, everybody out! Just tell yourself it's only a movie. And now, Y2K the movie. I miss movies of the week. Yeah, because that's not really a thing anymore. Just, no. Movies of the week are now the movie on Netflix every few months. There's a Michael Bay movie <laughs> yeah. that just came out for Netflix saw, only. Have you, have you watched it yet? No. Should I watch it? Uh, yes, you should. I don't really? know. I guess so. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay. I don't know. It seems like it's up here. It's got your, your friend Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, I Fe- like Ryan Fellow Reynolds. Canadian Ryan Reynolds. Plus, I mean, Michael Bay does make the best movies. Uh, yes, uh, the best explosions that are masquerading yes. as movies. Um, I thought this article was really interesting in that, uh, you know, the things that uh, mattered so much, uh, even, you know, a decade or two ago don't matter as much now. Not even close. No, no. Um, it's funny. I read this whole uh, kind of line of reasoning as to why Y2K was averted. And that is, of course, due to, uh, self-interest. And that is to say, uh, the ruling class's self-interest in ensuring that their uh, banking and financial information was kept intact. So that is why they largely averted Y2K was a uh, top-down initiative uh, to uh, sustain wealth. 
that was the big thing was that banking might go awry. Uh, that was top of the list. The second on the list was the nuclear power plants that could melt down. Right. Uh, I mean, like, there's, like, a, a bunch of, like, public utility stuff. Like, um, in the NBC uh, commercial, like, uh, the grid, like, the electric grid fails at one point. It, it does that sometimes, though. But not forever. No. Well, so I, I had to deal with that earlier this week. I lost power five times in one evening. It was a lot of fun. It seemed every 35 minutes someone flipped a switch. Um, and the funny thing is my wife's friend lives um, in the same neighborhood but sort of at the other end. And whenever we would lose power, she would gain it and then vice versa. They were playing. I don't even know what they were playing at. It was uh, super annoying. I guess that's a, my like my first world gripe of the week is that uh, my supper was ruined because I had to throw out some uh, half-cooked chicken. Um. It is, though, the time of year when losing power is kind of bad here, uh, especially if it's minus 15 or minus 20 out. Well, it's supposed to be uh, minus 25 Celsius tomorrow morning, my friend, so get ready for that. Oh, great. That, that's so, almost minus 25 Fahrenheit at that point. Exactly. Um, so uh, anything else that you gained from this article? I gained that a lot of people took advantage of the whole Y2K thing and put out a lot of crazy books grifters really i mean the thing is that the grifters exist throughout time uh they leech onto the uh problem du jour and just keep uh, you know exploiting it for personal gain there was one guy that put out two or three books yes yeah before y2k so um they must read really funny now you think so well yeah because it's all garbage I mean, like, if you pretend that they don't, if they, you know, if they're, uh, as I was saying, like, works of uh, speculative fiction, I think it works well. Wouldn't it be bad if it was not Y2K, but Y2020? Did you, uh, do you need to talk about this? Do you think that perhaps um, we are just around the corner from a really weird um, incident? No more podcasting. This is the last podcast ever. Perfect. I guess this is a great way to, to end things off. You, me, talking about magic and not technology or the paranormal. No more. Nostradamus predicted it. What's this? Kids with a cellular phone? Introducing Amigo from Cantel. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Double density. Moving on, I uh, want to talk about something that I don't have that you probably still do due to your status in life. And that, my friend, of course, is a landline. I haven't had one in years. You haven't had a landline in years, really. I... I t- Took you as the type who would, actually. Yeah, we uh, got rid of it along with cable all at the same time about two years ago. Uh, how do you feel about that? Are you shocked? Yeah, a little bit, yes. Yeah. Because you it's are... Like, um, it's like when I knew something. There was something... <laughs> when I knew that one thing, I can't remember what it was, but uh, there was something that you had asked me, and you said, do you know what this is? And I said, I knew exactly what it was. Oh, yeah, how many uh, universes there were in the DC Yes, uh, exactly. Universe. You said 52. There were 53. And uh, they're 53 now. Uh, I'm kind of surprised because you, uh, by nature, are a neurotic person. And I feel like you want us to double down on the phone lines. Yeah, no, now we only have uh, a couple of uh, cell phones. It's funny because my poor daughter. It's funny because my poor daughter. Did you say your your pork daughter? Yeah, that's why I'm repeating (laughs) it. It's funny because my poor daughter learned our phone number. And then a few months later, we got rid of that phone number. Do you know your wife's cell phone number off by heart? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Good. Do you want to say it? No, not at all. I do not need that information. Uh, So I linked you to an Atlantic article. And before I want to talk about anything else, the Atlantic, pretty much a a trashly sort of publication. I thought it was a good publication. So the Atlantic recently put out an article called, uh, they've titled this article, Why Your Kid Loves the Garbage Truck So Much. And this is a legitimate article, my friend. Oh, didn't you link me something about this or something or other? Yeah. 
Yeah, and then, sending me all these links via that Twitter thing that I don't use anymore. Yes. And then uh, they followed that up with a couple's therapist analyzes the marriage in the movie A Marriage Story starring Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson. And then my suggestion was I went to pitch to them a think piece about a parenting guide to Baby Yoda. Anyways, all that to say, Angelo, the Atlantic trash publication sometimes has a glimmer of hope, such as this article about uh, the sort of like um, the cultural history of the landline and how uh, your children will never know, hold on, let me get him, uh, hold on the line, et cetera, et cetera, and a ton of other uh, phone vernacular that they'll never recognize. Yeah, uh, I remember all this when I was a kid is, you know, somebody would pick up the phone on one floor or one room and you'd say, okay, I got it. And then you'd still hear them on the other end and you'd have to tell them to hang up. Like for example, a parent listening in on your conversation. Did you ever have that? Not really, no. But uh, I, I would, uh, it would take my dad a while sometimes to hang up the phone and I would like hear the TV in the background. It would drive me crazy. Oh, I feel you. That was the same thing in my, when I was still living with my parents uh, up until like last week. And I always found it funny when I would watch uh, sitcoms and they would answer like the whatever residence. Yeah, you, you know, don't want to reveal yourself. Yeah, oh, the Seaver Residence. I'm, you know what I'm referencing there? Growing Pains. Never watched it. You never watched Growing Pains? Never. Uh, you were a baby when that came out, I guess. Growing Pains is an American television sitcom that aired on ABC from September 24th, 1985 to April 25th, 1992. And you were five years old when it ended. So uh, you wouldn't have watched it anymore. Uh, technically, I was six. Six, okay. Also, I was a very precocious six-year-old. I was watching Robocop at the age of five. Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I also watched RoboCop in my in elementary school. I cannot imagine. Wait, wait, wait! My, like my at kid. school? No, no. Oh. But I was in elementary school. I remember because you'd go rent a movie at the video store. Uh, like while we're while we're nostalgicating over here, uh, landlines, video stores. You'd go watch. You'd rent Chucky when you were like in grade five. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, and I watched Nightmare on Elm Street when I was like six. Yeah, didn't you you've told the story before that your sister showed it to you, right? Yeah. Uh, look, and RoboCop, uh, there was a bit of swearing in that. A little bit of swearing, a little bit of violence, a little bit of drug use. Yeah, and uh, I, I couldn't have been more than like nine or ten when I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so I could not I think, imagine. So like, I point, have trouble showing my daughter like the Marvel movies sometimes. Right. The point has morphed now into uh, I miss I miss video store experiences. So landlines, Brian. The lifeblood of the American family. Uh, yeah, I look, we weren't really using it and it was costing us what, 20, 25 bucks a month, which yeah. isn't that much considering how much it used to cost to have a phone, but money bags over here paying for underground parking to events saying phones do not cost that much. Well, it didn't, not a landline, not compared to a cell phone. No, that is very true, but still 20 bucks a month is a lot of money for something you barely get any use out of, right? Well, yeah, the only people that would call our landline were, uh, my mother and my wife's mother. And Ghostbusters. And every once in a while, like a cold call from like Bell or Videotron, which are two of the uh, people that sell phone, phones and, and cable and stuff here. So I was recently, so uh, where I work on Friday mornings, um, we kind of get like a universal break together where we kind of uh, get to sit down with each other and discuss our projects and sort of catch up and things. And uh, I actually got into this conversation about uh, landlines because um, uh, there are a couple of directors and VPs there and they are in their 40s and they were discussing the fact that they did actually have landlines because of their kids. How so? Like if anything could happen, then if their cell phone died or they were out of like reach, then at least that line had a, uh, you know, messages there for it. Oh, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Because like, you can also uh, forward that to your cell phone, too. Yeah, and we, every once in a while, like, our daughter doesn't really stay home alone ever. But if we ever have to, like, go to the park or go to the, the mailbox and she decides to stay home, she has 
her little iPhone, but it's not connected to any. Wait, your daughter doesn't stay alone? She's she's only 10. Uh, dude, uh, Kevin McAllister was eight for the first Home Alone movie. Yeah, and look how that worked out. He did just fine. Yeah, that's true. But no, my we we you, you shouldn't really leave uh, kids alone too long. That sounds like some kind of parent wisdom. I am not uh, going to engage in. I mean, not all kids have telekinesis. It's true. And use the force. <laughs> it's true. Not all kids want to protect their homes so valiantly against Bill Burr. So related to the Atlantic article, I linked you to a BuzzFeed news article all about how the de- uh, the decade, like the last decade we lived, was a pretty sad one. I I'm going to I read wanna... the I'm going to read the title. Okay. Okay. Alienated, alone, and angry. What the digital revolution really did to us, right? And it contrasts uh, the uh, school of thought that was sort of like very popular in the late 90s, especially among the technocrati, all about how we were going to usher in this unprecedented age of connectivity and greatness. And suddenly it is 2019 on the precipice of 2020. It is Christmas morning and everyone is bummed out, alone, constantly feeling FOMO. Um, It is easier than ever to insult everyone on the internet. And, uh, you know, if you are a person of color, um, another visible minority of another sort, it is very easy for a uh, you know a uh, anonymous person to pick on you. Has that been yet? I cannot see my crystal ball. I do not know, my friend. Let's hope so. Do you feel like things have changed that much since two thousand nine? Yes, like absolutely. the iPhone was a thing. Um, smartphones were kind of starting to take over, but people still liked their good old fashioned wood burning computers. And now, uh, you know, the excitement here is that Apple's released finally a desktop uh, that's (laughs) like an actual desktop computer. Right. Uh, A little out of reach of the budget of most people. And rightly so. It's not meant for more people, for for mortals. It's not meant for regular people. It's meant for people that really actually need that type of thing. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't actually mentioned the Mac Pro until now. Because it is a uh, largely useless dongle, my friend, uh, and the wheels do not come with the computer. They only cost three hundred dollars each, <laughs> which is I don't know if it's each, but I think a set costs three hundred. I mean, they're hundreds of dollars regardless. Um, coming back to sort of the spirit of the article, I do feel that we have reached the extreme of always online culture, and I think that is um, we're hanging out in the lounge of you know uh, eternal fatigue. And do you remember? Did you ever have dial-up internet? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, do you remember the moment when you went? Just that little jump was. You know, oh, you had to dial into the internet to, you just go to your computer and it's already on the internet. Yeah. So now you pick the up actually anything. actually just chases you around. Yeah. You pick up anything and it's on the internet. Yes. It is uh, essentially a, uh, like a living organism that lives with you. It's symbiotic uh, more so than ever. I mean, can you think of anything you use uh, for entertainment purposes really that's not connected to the internet? I still buy books. Oh yeah, me too. Okay. Books, books, books are good. That's pretty much it. Like, I don't own um, a record player. No. Playing cards. Sure. That's another thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The occasional uh, board game. Yeah. Uh, But uh, pretty much everything else on the internet. Send us examples of things that are not on the internet. Double underscore density on Twitter. Uh, But yeah, I do feel like we have reached a a level of, like, exhaustion um, and just constantly being bombarded. I was talking to um, Rob Christopherson of Our Strange Guys earlier today, and we talked about the idea of, like, uh, you know, media brain rot. The thing is that, like, you just keep getting bombarded with so much information that not only is it an overload, but it's it's an exhaustion. Uh, Rob has a a turntable record player. He does. Yes. He likes listening to music the old analog way. I, he he strikes me as somebody who likes the ritual of listening to music and likes listening to an album. 
Yes. If you head over to our uh, recently released episode of my other podcast, the one I do with Rob, um, the Coda, we actually do discuss that very, very briefly. And uh, even though I don't really care that my music is all online and stuff, I do still like listening to an album and doing that sort of ritual of picking an album and listening to that thing from uh, side one to side two, although there are no sides anymore. You mean the end of side two, not just, yeah. you, you just don't do one side and call it quits. Oh, is that how it works? <laughs> I kept You've stopping been missing at song out so much six. music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we there are ways to help you, my friend. But yeah, I do feel like this um, article kind of encapsulates a lot of my thoughts about how um, I feel in 2019, 2020 about uh, the state of dealing with the internet, dealing with everyone else, dealing with society in the way in which we all um, feel like we have equal and uh, valid opinions and points, and it's just too much all of the time. So Led Zeppelin four doesn't end with Stairway to Heaven. And with that, Angelo, I will uh, close things off for the uh, last tech segment of 2019. We're gonna head on over to the paranormal section, my friend. Sounds great. <laughs> Double density. Welcome back to Double Density. And as always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So the first thing I'd like to talk about is an article from LiveScience.com, which is an awful, awful, shitty website. There's no science or, or anything on this website. No, there's also <laughs> a bunch of uh, pop-up videos, and there are too many ads to count on the left, right, up, and uh, uh, at the bottom of things. Um, so the article is entitled, Thousands of Government UFO Reports, now available at Canadian University. And the subhead reads, a private UFO enthusiast has donated his collection of 30,000 documents to the University of Manitoba in Canada. I have a problem with the word enthusiast. Uh, because the person um, that they're discussing is definitely not an enthusiast. It's uh, they're a scholar, they're writers. You know, if anything, I would say journalist. Chris uh, Rutkowski. Chris Rutkowski, that is right. He He's has actually... authored a number of uh, really, really great books um, centered around uh, you know UFO culture in general, but also specifically um, Canadian UFO culture. Yeah, he's actually one of the best, most down to earth writers of UFO stuff. He doesn't really go on any. Uh insane rants like some people do no and he's, he's kind of bases his stuff in uh reality as much as you can with ufos yeah i agree a lot of his earlier news uh newsletter stuff too is very very interesting um and the article discusses the fact that uh chris Rakowski donated all of these things uh mostly having to do with uh what is probably canada's most well-known ufo incident and that is of course the falcon lake incident is that the one where the uh, police officer stopped the guy and said he had other duties to perform? <laughs> that is right. Uh, the story of Stan McAlack and uh, the weird burns on his body. We covered that um, actually on an Our Strange Skies episode with Rob. That was a fun episode that I got to uh, impersonate a police officer. Uh, is that the only time you've ever done that? Yes. I only do that in podcast format I do in, in person because <laughs> I can get arrested for that. Fair enough. Um, so uh, a very interesting endowment. I wish it would have been somewhere closer to home here in Montreal. But you know what? Uh, it's fine. I wonder if that can be accessed like via inter-university library things. So if you scroll down to the bottom, they're actually, uh, they've started a crowdsourcing, a crowdfunding um, page to uh, pay for digitization of all this. Okay, because it's not digitized yet. No, exactly. So it was actually like physical um, specimens donated to the university. Yeah, that's yeah. Th that always makes things a little more difficult, but uh, it's a big job to digitize that stuff. But it's important to do. I agree. Uh, so uh, the breakdown is about twenty thousand UFO slash UAP uh, reports because I'm going to use UAPs to bother you, and then uh, ten thousand UFO related documents directly from the Canadian government, which are ATIPs, right? Which is access to information requests and things like that. And the fact that it's coming from the government gives it some legitimacy. 
Yes, the official denial of things, and uh, that is something we're going to talk about in um, our next point, our final point of the year. But before that, Angelo, I would like to read to you the one comment left on the Live Science article. Please, I love it, comments. It was left by B-Cop, one word, B-K-O-P, on December 13th of 2019. He says, he or she, they say, what is not included in the 30,000 documents is my book. Why won't they believe me? Four of us saw the saucer twice. In my book, I tell the story of our close encounter with a flying saucer. That story was so compelling that the UFO Museum in Roswell purchased my book. In addition, Stan, Stan Freeman, RIP's comment to me about our encounter appears on the back cover. As pictured in a drawing that appears in this UFO Reports article, the craft we saw was similar. The top portion resembled an inverted cup. There were rectangular windows around the top in the one that we saw. Because it was so close to us, we were able to see those windows clearly. Using binoculars, we were able to fill the lens with one of those windows. In the past months, I have been able to make presentations about our close encounter. My hope is that the Canadian University will also be interested in hearing my story, or at least reading my book about it. So who at the university is planning on reading his book? Their book. His book. Her book. Their book. That book. He has a book, did you know? They, their book. So why don't we just quickly drop this into the Google machine? Did he uh, leave a link about his book? No. No. No, sadly. Oh, there we go. All right. He found something. Yes. Uh, uh, Why Don't They Believe Me by Mr. Barry Copeland, uh, published in 2014. The cover is awful here, Angelo. I, uh, I'm going to send this to you via Skype. You tell me what you think of this. Oh, I can't wait. That is a... <laughs> oh, man. That is a... Twice. <laughs> I know. The twice is the best part. Yes. Um, okay. So, Angelo, uh, uh, two five-star reviews. One of them, I think, uh, left by the uh, author himself on November 2nd, 2019. It says, yeah, Remarkable, yeah. by B. Copeland. I wonder who that is. And then John, October 26, 2016, also gave it five stars and said, Interesting and easy to read. I love that he, he thinks his own book is remarkable. It's 103 pages, my friend. Remarkable. Let me read it. Uh, Do you have this, to read through it twice? I is guess that, so. <laughs> um, so there are five new copies on Amazon.com for 25 bucks each. Angela, I'm going to read to you about the author, about this Barry Copland guy. You ready for this? Sure. For more than 50 years, Barry has been writing poetry and po- prose, often published by friendly journals too arcane to mention. That is very weird because this is the internet. You can link to it. He received his, MSA, his MFA from Queens University in Charlotte, North Carolina. Recently, he completed the second half of a two-volume collection of poems and essays. The first, Whale of Grief, Compliments Whale of Joy. The second, what? Both are related to impressions of life as a Jew in a non-Jewish world. His no gold stars based on his memoir. This is just a sentence that he wrote that just doesn't have ex- like any sort of uh, editing here. Did oh, I ever boy. tell you about the insane author who uh, impersonated a lawyer in order to get me to take down a review that I did in a university newspaper once? This vaguely sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, anyways, uh, Marianne, if you're out there and you're listening, great. I uh, still haven't taken it down. Yeah, she impersonated a uh, lawyer because she uh, self-published a book that was awful, um, did not get anyone to edit it or copy it or anything at all, and uh, run on sentences, uh, plenty of uh, spe- spelling errors, a highly pixelated cover is awful, um, very sad. Uh, reminds me of the cover of this book, actually. And uh, she then emailed the editor-in-chief of the paper I was working at and said, I, uh, you know, I'm the legal representative of uh, so-and-so. Um, I need you to take this down. Only the uh, email address in question was actually the author's name. So. Oh, hey, uh, you, you swung your shot. You lost. Uh, congrats I can't to you. stop reading. I can't stop laughing at the, uh, the, the synopsis. Twice. twice. This is a true story of four men who witnessed at close range the arrival and departure of a flying saucer. It came and went twice. <laughs> Do you think it was just like, uh, uh, oh, this is the right place. Nope. Nope. Wrong. Nope. Right. Nope. No wrong. It missed the cow. <laughs> um, so I figured, Is that uh, the picture of the flying saucer? I don't know. Let's, uh, I'm going to head over to Mary. Uh, look Mr. inside. Wait, let's look inside. 
Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Angelo. Barry M. Coplin also wrote a second book. Oh? That is a fiction book, I think. Independently published. Entitled, My Dad, A Man from Outer Space? Question mark. What happens when 10-year-old Amanda learns that UFOs are real? From her dad. Uh, there is a one star. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the author reviewed it. Uh, Barry Coplin gave it two stars. This was supposed to be a six by nine book. Instead, it was 12 by 10. How could they have published <laughs> the wrong size? <laughs> oh, Barry. Mr. Coughlin, come on the podcast, my friend. Oh, man. You can even come uh, on twice if you want. Twice. Oh, gosh, Angela. I needed this in my life. Um, let us move on to something a little bit more sobering and wide reaching. <laughs> Does that sound to you? Yeah, please. <laughs> um, so I linked you to a Black Vault article all about how it has been roughly about two years since the infamous uh, Leslie Keene New York Times story about uh, To the Stars Academy, uh, you know, uh, the entire Pentagon program, right? Uh, the A, the A-tip program or A-tip, depending on who you are, if you pronounce two A's differently than one. Um, and, you know, I kind of want to do a, a state of the uh, union kind of thing about where we're at these days with that. It feels like yesterday that we were like everybody's getting excited about this. And uh, there's a, a nice stern-looking Luis Elizondo in this article, picture of him. Um, yeah, I, nothing came of this really, right? So I kind of want to discuss the about face that has happened. So I'm going to read directly from the articles. The Pentagon has recently opened up the black to the black vaults, right, with the website we're linking to, about the rumored secret UFO program known as the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or ATIP, on December 16th, 2017. News of this obscure program was first announced in the New York Times and Politico. Both media outlets reported that UFOs, now being referred to as Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, or UAP, as I apologize, Angelo, to reduce the stigma surrounding the topic, were the direct focus of this program. However, the Pentagon now seems to have changed their stance. Uh, so basically, they're walking back their stance that the ATIP program was to um, study and identify UFOs and UAPs. So there's no UFOs then? No. So the no Pentagon's, either. The Pentagon's new stance conflicts with former Department of Defense employee Louis Elizondo. Shouts out to you, Louis. According to Elizondo, he was the director of ATIP, and since coming forward in October 2017, he's consistently maintained ATIP did, not, did research UFOs and UAPs. Quote, uh, ATIP itself spent its entire time on UFOs, said Elizondo in March 2019, the first annual anomalous aerospace phenomena, AAP, gosh darn, there's so many acronyms, conference put on by the Scientific Coalition for U- uh, UAP Studies, or the SCU. ATIP was a 100% UFO program, period. It was not looking at airplanes. <laughs> so I'm laughing because there's a, the, the second to last paragraph, the big paragraph there, yes. there's so many acronyms in that thing that... Uh, Do you want to try to read this one? Okay, so wait, let me, let me just read the acronyms I see on this page, okay? Because okay? this is going to be a fun activity. Uh, DIA, AAWASAP, uh, AATIP, FOIA, um, BAASS. There's the TTSA, um, the uh, MUFON, also known as MUFON. Uh, am I missing any? No. UFOs, UAPs, SCU. <laughs> So many, DOD. Oh, boy. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Pentagon spokesperson Christopher Sherwood. Okay. 
So, uh, you know, earlier this year, basically, like, a new cycle of news broke out saying, like, oh, my gosh, the Pentagon is actually looking at UFOs and UAPs, right? And it's, it's, like, in, in early summer, like, May and June, so this became, like, a new wave of thing, right? Um, so the Pentagon admitting that it investigates UFOs. And now, suddenly, um, the Pentagon says, at the time, Mr. Sherwood, the spokesperson, was repeating the information that had been provided by a previous spokesperson some two years earlier. That previous spokesperson is no longer with my organization, and I cannot comment on why that person's explanation of ATIP included that it looked at anomalous events. According to all of official information i have now when implemented atip did not pursue research and investigation into unidentified aerial phenomenon that was not the uh, part of the technical studies nor the reports produced by the program so basically they've tried to walk back disclosure to a certain degree now when it came out did the government say they were looking into ufos well they basically said that you know these things exist we're not sure what they are they were afraid to label these things properly okay so they never labeled it but they they are really walking it back a bit. It's they, kind of they, hilarious. It's like this is uh, the age of information. Everything is easily searchable, my friends. The Pentagon is suddenly like, no, we we were wrong. Our, our you know our stance is different now. Okay, I mean, okay, that that's totally fine. Their stance could have changed, but they can't change what they said they worked on. You can't unscrew the Pepsi bottle and hope that it uh, doesn't fizzle out. Or as Victor uh, Vigiani says, you can't unring a bell. Have I'm been, looking at the comments. Have you been keeping that in? Oh, you have been hitting the comment section. I just look. I just scrolled down and I saw there's Terry Nails, Victor Vigiani, uh, Giorgio Piacenza. A lot of Italians over here. Do you uh, know? So are Italians particularly interested in uh, UAP culture? Not that I know of. We right. like pizza and pasta. So one of the more interesting things um, uh, that has come out, I guess, in the last little while, uh, and by little while, I mean like a year ago, is we did an, an episode, episode 59, about the warp drive info. Remember the infamous dinosaur hand shaking with man thing? Oh, wow. It's like a blast from the past. Yes. So uh, so they have a picture of one of the reports that came out, warp drive, dark energy, and the manipulation of extra dimensions, and that was in there. Yes, I remember that. That was the cool one with the cool portals. Yeah, exactly. So that's one that of the was way things. back in episode 59? Yep. Wow, it feels Surprise. like it would have been in the 90s. I know. It's uh, it's kind of insane. Um, so I kind of wanted to take a step back, right? So uh, so essentially, To the Stars Academy launches this PR initiative. Um, and as part of it, Leslie Keane um, publishes the story December 16th, 2017. So essentially, like, these videos come out, the Tic Tac videos as part of these stories. You know, they're embedded in the news stories themselves. Um, and uh, the public finally gets interested in UFOs after a little while. And uh, this picks up momentum and steam into 2018. And then from 2018 till now, I mean... Uh, there was the show on Identified, right, Inside America's UFOs Investigations. That... Did you ever watch that? So I watched half of the season. I got very frustrated and stopped watching it. Okay. I didn't see anything of it. If it's not on Netflix, I'm not going to watch it. It is exhaustingly, like, sort of, like, a, um, a mundane. And the way that it's cut is very dramatic, of course, um, apart from the course. Um, very little substance is actually there at this point, unfortunately, right? Uh... Yeah, so like since then, what we've had uh, revelations about the Atoma, Atacama uh, dummy or skeleton, right? Um, which was sort of like a, a weird blunder in terms of like people are saying, well, you should return the body if it's a human back to the proper authorities. That was a big botch up. Uh, was that uh, Greer? Was he uh, involved in that? No, Greer was. Uh, he did a documentary about that. Anything Greer does kind of gets on my nerves, maybe a little bit. Well, we a covered lot. him. Uh, we covered him uh, a lot. Uh, yeah, he was involved with the rods we talked last week, and uh, rods can sort of look like Tic Tacs. If you close your eyes and pray, uh, they can. Also, um, so that was Gary Nolan, right, of, T- of the uh, attached liaison to the TTSA, who um, uh, published the report saying it was actually just a, a tiny deformed human, unfortunately, not a you know an alien humanoid. Yeah, and then he kind of uh, got some backlash because of that. Yeah, 
Um, and then since then, I think the issue is that there had been no like um, really, really big moments in the same way that the um, first article had created waves. It's a lot of infighting. Um, there's a lack of proof, right? So the only things that have come out since then are, you know, the TV show, uh, you know, Tom uh, publishing uh, fictional books. Which help nothing. Yeah. Not not in terms of the actual, uh, what was the, not in terms of what actually was discussed in the 2017 article. It's fiction is fiction, right? People can get fiction anywhere they want. They want nonfiction when it comes to UFOs. Right. Also, I think we've discussed this a number of times in the past, but the way in which the government would classify UAP versus the way that the public would classify UFO or UAP is quite different. And I think that's where the discord comes from. No one cares anymore because of the fact that, the, one, there's no new evidence. And then, two, uh, the government is looking at true, uh, like, unknown uh, you know, pieces or vehicles or whatever they are, um, not necessarily uh, uh, extraterrestrial in origin, but they're labeling it as, as, as sort of like a, a vague enough that it could be. And I think that like um, barring any sort of like larger uh, revelations, uh, the public just sees it as like another uh, non-story in the end because it could be terrestrial. And chances are they were, I wonder if they were, okay, let, let me try to rationalize this. Were they saying it was UFOs in 2017 so that they wouldn't think, they wouldn't uh, like kind of tip their hat to what they were actually doing and that was investigating other countries and what weapons they could possibly have? So I do, not concretely, but I do have a hunch that is that is the case. But the thing is, I feel like their definition once again of UFO is vague and can be terrestrial in origin versus uh you know what the public sees and hears when they think uaps ufos is automatically little green man you know humanoids etc fantastical stories and i think like the unfortunately um the stories here is much more mundane about all this well we've said that many times that just because something is labeled a ufo shouldn't qualify it as a as an alien spacecraft right yeah ufo could be anything it could be a rock that you threw in the air and it's flying and you wonder, oh, what is that? And then it hits yeah. on the head and it's a rock. Also, uh, you know, uh, according to the Pentagon, Elizondo was not the director of a tip. You know, there's things like that, too, where it's just a lot of infighting and uh, unclear sort of like uh, non-stories that keep popping up in relation to this that I think um, damage the credibility of the narrative that they're trying to establish. And also, once again, there's no smoking gun right now, apart from the Tic Tac video, which um, has been sort of like looked at to death, too. Yeah, and there's nothing really you can see in that video, unfortunately. There's a lot of artifacting, and it's pretty grainy, and you don't know what you're seeing. Can can you qualify Elizondo as being trustworthy? Do you feel he's trustworthy? It's difficult to establish trustworthiness, right, just because he's held certain security clearances does not automatically mean that he is someone that you uh, can uh, trust without issue. Because now the Pentagon is saying that he's a liar, right? Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's just a disinformation campaign either way, right? So, I mean, if you're a, a person who wants to buy wholly into the TTSA narrative, you'd say he actually did all these things, but the government obviously won't admit to it because of, you know, the uh, sort of like niche nature as well as the uh, suggested revelations that exist in if this is true. Well, I have been accused of being a disinformation agent, so um, who am I to, to talk about this? I'm not surprised about that, Angela. Let's be honest here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, I would love I would love to see TTSA release something new in, in 2020 that just really just blows us away or at least like some other sort of like thread or, or narrative that isn't uh, fiction books or um, a TV show that largely just left a lot of questions. Um, and I really, really would just love some kind of, of not necessarily like a, a clean break, but, a, you know, a, a new course for them that would make a lot of sense. Perhaps a Blink-182 reunion. 
that is uh, not in the cards, my friend. Although their newest album, Nine, is uh, hot garbage. Do not listen to it, Angelo, please. I wasn't planning to. Um, so before we wrap things up, uh, any plans, wishes, hopes for 2020? Um, maybe our friend Barry will see that UFO a third time. Should we email Barry and have him come on? I'm going to do some research. Maybe Barry's going to come <laughs> on. Awful. Come on the podcast, Barry. That would be an awful, Double awful density idea. podcast at gmail.com. Um, so I'm hoping that we have, uh, another, uh, nice tech year. <laughs> what does that even mean? No, nothing. Delete that. You just hope that the Boston Dynamic Dogs don't get to you this year. I'm not worried about them yet. Uh, I'm thinking they're not going to be a problem until at least 2028. Okay, fair enough. That's a good time frame. Yeah. Then it'll be that Black Mirror episode. Angela, I apologize for not leaving anything else under your Christmas tree, but I think you'll be okay, right? Yeah, I'll be happy with my Google Home Nest Mini. Someone to talk to who will talk back to you without, you know, snide remarks. She sometimes gives us snide remarks. Even the computers are giving you trouble. Let's hope they don't give us too much trouble and take over the world. If anyone wants to give Angelo and I trouble, uh, you can find us on Twitter at over at double underscore density. You can also email me or us, as I just said, uh, for Barry, uh, podcast at gmail.com. You can head on over to doubledensity.net to see all of our episodes and figure out how to subscribe based on all of the different streaming platforms that are out there, right? There are so many podcasting platforms name, out there. Name me three that aren't Apple and uh, uh, Overcast. Spotify? Yes. Google Play Music. <laughs> sure. Uh, and there is also Stitcher. Stitcher. There's Castro. Tune in. Okay. Well, Castro is is not a service, right? Castro's just like Overcast, right? It's a it's a podcast app. Well, that's what so I'm saying. The, all of these apps. Yeah. There's also um, uh, the one that has Play in the title. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> well, there's Google uh, Play. There's Google Play, yes, but I can't remember... Uh, there's one that's like both Android and uh, iOS. All right, I'm going to end this because we're deep in the podcast weeds, my friends. If you want to leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called now, I don't even know anymore. Just, uh, give, us, just give us a star on uh, on the good old Overcast as well. Yeah, also, uh, you know, uh, review us on Amazon.com. Yeah, please. We invite, people, us, uh, we invite people to visit the show links and check out Barry's book. Maybe buy one. I don't know. Why don't leave us a two-star me? review and say, hey, it was supposed to be 50 minutes, not 40. That is right. Uh, Angelo. Don't leave us a two-star review, please. Please don't leave us a two-star review. I want you to do me a favor. I want everyone to tune in next week as we anticipate what a Y2 plus 20K glitch would look like. <laughs> and if we don't uh, show up next week, we'll know why. Angelo, before I forget, happy Christmas. Happy New Year. Oh, no. Oh, no.